So thank you, Shraddha. Uh, uh, the no PPT, Saili. Do you want yeah, to do you is, want to share the PPT? Check it. I'll share it. I first thank the organizers, Dr. Ovalan and Dr. Bhandare, to for giving me this opportunity to present my uh, ongoing work on Dhangars. Um, it is um, uh, a last presentation, so please bear with me. Uh, and uh, as it is ongoing work, there will be further work added to this. Uh, uh, so I'll just share my presentation and start. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Please confirm if it is visible. Yes, it is. Okay, yes. thank it's you. Just, just move uh -huh. one, one space ahead, Sile, and let's see if this moves properly. Yeah, great. Over to you then. Thank you, everyone. So uh, today's presentation uh, that uh, I'm presenting my research is on Vasada Gavata Dhangara Raja. Um, and it is based on the border of archaeology, cultural studies, anthro, uh, anthropology and uh, ecological uh, studies. And it is actually a result of a project I did with for forest department. And the next phase will be starting sometime later. Uh, the title that I've chosen for this uh, uh, topic is Vasada Gavasa Dhangara Raja to essentially <coughs> symbolize the the uh, the ownership and the sovereignty that once uh, Dhangar community enjoyed over uh, vast uh, semi-arid dry tracts of central Maharashtra. And I will be talking about the recent changes that are happening in the historical spaces of Dhangars. So uh, to start with, uh, the premise of my study actually uh, uh, began with the uh, various disputes uh, that were reported from uh, the different departments and which were and the cognizance was taken by forest department where uh, the various governing management systems which were uh, looking after or managing this lands uh, landscape were in direct conflict with traditional livelihoods of dhangars in these tracts so this perceived land uh, uh, perceived conflict was because it was viewed or um, misunderstood or understood that Dhangar community's livelihood is the major cause of degradation of the landscapes in this area, which are already scanty and is a meager resource. And uh, it is impossible for the grassland wildlife to exist, coexist with the Dhangars, who uh, are the, uh, the traditional occupants of this area, but are uh, always viewed as uh, opportunistic, opportunistic outsiders. Even in the villages where uh, Dhangars have their homeland, the uh, the, the village social society views them as opportunistic uh, outsiders, exploiting the local resources or sharing uh, it uh, in a disproportionate manner. So with this uh, problem, there were various studies commissioned and my, I, uh, tried to study the nature of interaction between grassland dhangars, wolves and other grassland flora fauna that is seen here, and to trace the ecological and cultural associations of dhangars with the landscape. So um, this was a joint endeavor of Forest Department, Maharashtra State, various civil society organizations and individual researchers. Um, uh, 
टाइम and uh, also the various policies related to the livestock management and nomadic tribes and the various schedules of uh, nomadic tribes and the rights uh, that are uh, given to various tribes so uh, for my study i interviewed dhangar communities in various places and also the organizations who were working with them uh, overall i visited multiple uh, times 22 sites in the in this area and three sites were uh, single visit Uh, i also attended the joint meeting of stakeholders at mayureshwar supe wildlife sanctuary which was major point of contention and conflict uh, which uh, and all and participated in uh, the internal meetings of dhangars in various areas uh, more field observations were made during the great seasonal migration where i uh, walked with the dhangars uh, from uh, ढवळपुरी इन अहमदनगर टू डहाणू टू अंडरस्टँड द अंडरस्टँड अँड सी हाऊ थिंग्स रिअली हॅपन ऑन ग्राउंड अलॉंग विथ दिस अडिशनली आय व्हिजिटेड अँड डॉक्युमेंटेड कल्चरल श्राईन्स पिलग्रिम कल्स साईट्स अँड फेस्टिवल्स अँड इनिशियली आय थॉट देर वुड एक्झिस्ट सम सॉर्ट ऑफ सेकंडरी डेटा विच वुड हेल्प अस अंडरस्टँड द ट्रॅक्स अँड हाऊ द एरिया वॉज मॅप्ड of the movements of dhangars and how the resource use was but unfortunately there is no uh, uh, rigorous data which is available so i actually uh, am uh, right now making uh, trying to do the map uh, for from uh, as a result of the study that i have been doing of course we get so great insights from study of dr santhimer which he has done before and uh, and this all the entire data was uh, uh, analyzed for further report uh if you look at the previous work that has uh, contributed to the study of dhangars uh, it uh, it falls under the gamut of ethnographic and environmental research so we have uh, uh, illustrious dr santhimer working on ethnography of dhangars the landscape deities and folk culture uh, the seminal work is also done by kc malhotra uh, where he studied the genetics caste structures and distribution of the endogamous groups Uh, that we see here along with madhav gadge he has also attempted to study the ecology of gauri dhangars now the gauri dhangar is another subset within the dhangar community which we are not looking at today and which today resides in the western ghat tracks which are uh, richer uh, in flora fauna and uh, has um, uh, and the gauri dhangar or maske dhangars uh, uh, are predominantly tend the buffaloes and cows uh, as against the shepherds uh, that we see in, in the case of hatkar dangars uh, we have some interesting observations coming from dd kosambi ajay dandekar has been extensively studied this studying the subject of ethno and doing the ethnographic research religious cults uh, cultural connection folk gods pilgrim routes etc have received a great uh, attention from scholars like uh, rc dehre and dr anfeld house where anfeld house has also documented and studied the narratives in various dhangari ovis and uh, from environmental perspective we have some uh, seminal work from dr prakash goye where he is looking at the environmental economics of grassland ecosystem and uh, monitoring the changes over time 
Uh, as far as archaeology is concerned, uh, we have Dr. M. K. Dhavrikar excavating various sites in uh, in this dryland tracks, as prominent amongst which is the Chalcolithic period site uh, of Inamgao. And he also tried to understand archaeology as a function of environment, which provides some interesting insights in looking at the archaeological finds. Um, uh, unfortunately, the central Maharashtra, uh, there are not many sites which are reported and studied because of the dearth of the archaeological material. But, uh, and uh, the few megalithic sites have been reported from the eastern Maharashtra in Vidarbha, which are studied by Mohanji and the scholars from Deccan College. And we have uh, Ms. Uh, Mrs. Varada Kharatka studying the Bhima River Basin for the archaeological sites. Um, as I go next to the uh, uh, the subgroup that I'm trying to focus on today, it is uh, the, the Dandar is uh, predominantly a nomadic pastoral community and the largest number of, of this community includes the Hatkar Dhangars, which I'm going to talk about today. Uh, Casey Malhotra and his study defines, uh, 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 lists out 23 different subcasts uh, within this Dhangar community and they share common or dissimilar, uh, dissimilar origins and occupy mutually exclusive spaces across Maharashtra. Uh, Hatkar Dhangar are known for their exclusive sheep rearing uh, with recent introductions of cattle and goats. This, they have served Mar Maratha armies in the past and wield weapons, but they are not engaged in the wool weaving as is seen in other. Other, uh, in the in, in case of other subcast of Dhangars. And as I said, they occupy the dry semi-arid tracks, which actually falls under the districts such as the uh, from north, from uh, Nandurbar, Dhuwe, Nasik, uh, to uh, all the way for, uh, through Ahmadnagar, Jalna, Buldhana, Aurangabad, Pune, uh, to Satara, Solapur, Sangli, Usmanabad. And we also have some grassland tracks even in Yavatmar, Bid, etc. and Akola areas. But uh, the population of Hatkar Dhangar, which I am talking about essentially is restricted to the districts I have said, uh, mentioned here. Here the homeland of Hatkar Dhangar is essentially in the, in the eastern part of western Maharashtra, various villages and west part of the Marathwada. And uh, for, uh, after, as a part of the seasonal migration, they migrate to Kokan tracks post monsoon. So this is a, a map which was done in 1980s by KC Malhotra and uh, Madhav Gargir, where they have given the distribution uh, of uh, various uh, 23 subcasts. But today, when I see, I have found Hatkar Dhangars. Uh, ranging from uh, Dhuwe Nandurbar to almost till Usmanabad. And we also see that Hatkar, uh, Jhende, Thelari and Dange, these are the communities which share the common origin uh, 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 and ancestry. Uh, coming to the landscape that I'm talking about here, we are looking at the grassland landscape, which has been uh, branded as poor ecosystem and has been classified as wastelands because of the lack of timber producing plants since colonial period. So uh, uh, because there was uh, no uh, wooded plants that could be extracted uh, and, uh, and the less rainfall yielded, less biomass which can be harvested for any sort of industrial production, it has been uh, classified as wastelands. And, and yet we know that around 15.6 um, million hectares land is documented as wasteland and is used as grazing for actively used for grazing and there is no uh, acknowledgement of this uh, sort of utilization that we see here. Uh, seasonal water availability is a limiting factor for, uh, for these grasslands and uh, we also know that uh, these are 
uh, we'll look into the history in detail, but uh, these are uh, uh, also shaped as a fun uh, because of the activity and inter interventions of humans over centuries. Uh, if you look at the official policies of government of uh, grasslands, they have been uh, following or taking the cue of colonial uh, policies and most of the in recent past we see that the uh, revenue department and panchayat, uh, gram panchayat systems and villages is increasingly de-reserving community lands and villages. So in past we had uh, land, community land demarcated as Gaira in many villages which was a uh, shared uh, grassland area for the locals as well as dhangars uh, who were uh, engaged in transhumans. But later we see that increasingly many of the government schemes implementation, the land that has been allocated for development or new settlement or rehabilitation is uh, the Gairan Zameen. And with the increase in dam irrigated agriculture, most of this land is also brought under agriculture or even sometimes leased out to industry and so on. Uh, if you look at the mandate of social forestry department, we see that uh, in order to improve the uh, the productivity of this land and this notion has been there in the uh, as is taught in the Forest Research Institute and elsewhere, uh, there has been uh, intensive uh, irrigation intensive tree plantations which happen on many of the grasslands, which require huge capital investment and actually do not yield that sort of good results. Uh, and if you look at wildlife conservation who are protecting the various national parks and sanctuaries, fencing is a one way in which they kind of try to protect the grasslands and allow, not allowing the wildlife to go beyond the fences and also not allowing the traditional uh, herders to come inside the sanctuary area. But if we study ecologically, the grasslandscape uh, is actually a function of weak monsoon, less rainfall and terrain and is shaped by humans over centuries and it is used by uh, humans over in, uh, throughout these centuries because it's extremely productive and is resilient to unpredictable nature of changing climatic conditions. So it's a young ecosystem, grasslands are young ecosystems, they are good carbon sequestration abilities in the form of the rootstock and they support large herbivore and carnivore wildlife populations. 